Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. How many of you think that uh, something's definitely wrong with the world we live in? Huh? Come on. Come on. (laughs) This is crazy. The other day, I went to uh, the doctor. I had a doctor's appointment to check up on some things, right? And I'm in the lobby, and uh, the place is packed, you know, with people. And on the TV, you know, I don't know, all these places, you know, I, you know, they have the news channel on. I think this one was on Fox. And then the other TV behind me was on the uh, home network or something. You know, they're building staircases. But <laughs> the Fox channel, they have all this stuff on the Trump impeachment deal. And uh, there's this, uh, they're, they're, I, I don't know what nationality were. They're, they're Asian uh, people. There was like this Oma, this grandma, and they, um, uh, and another woman and then a man, you know, very soft-spoken man. And uh, he was trying to explain to them, um, you know, the viewpoints of Bernie Sanders and, uh, you know, the, these other ones, <laughs> you know, what, what Pelosi was trying to do uh, with the Trump thing. Um, he was trying to explain, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren's philosophy to them and, um, but you could tell they were just very, very confused and uh, stressed out, just freaked out about all this stuff. So as we're sitting there, uh, another lady came in that we knew. We knew from church. We knew her from church. So we started talking to her. I says, uh, how's your husband? She says, oh, he's at home. He's grumpy. He's all grumpy. And uh, I go, what, he don't feel good? And she goes, well, he can't, he can't stop watching all this impeachment stuff. So he's just nuts. So I tell her, I go, well, I, I quit, <laughs> quit paying attention to that stuff. Number one, my opinion, it's phony. Ever, ever since Trump got elected, and probably before, but I really noticed it in his election, that this is nothing more than a big reality show. It's just TV. It's, um, I don't think it's for our entertainment. It's for our programming, to program people. Um, and also diversion, while you're looking at something you know, something else is going on and sleight of hand and you have no idea. It's just a satanic world. We live in a fallen world of confusion and chaos. And of course, Satan, Lucifer, the head guy, the head fallen angel and everything and everything under him, every principality, ruler, power, demonic, wicked spirit. They can't tell the truth. They know they don't know God's truth. Uh, they simply can't comprehend it. They, they hate the truth. So they hate the truth that's in people. If the truth's in you, they hate that too. We'll talk about this on the Monday show, Lord willing, about um, how Lucifer, how Satan and, and the whole kingdom there, they actually hate the truth. It's not like they just want to twist it 
or defile it, they actually hate it. So if you have truth, they actually hate you and will do anything to power to destroy that. So anyway, so for the world, they're, they're out there. They're not covered under the blood of Christ. They're not covered. They don't have discerning of spirits. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them guiding them. They don't have hope and they don't have joy. See, I know I don't belong here. I know I don't, I'm not of this world. I know that, you know, my whatever, 80, 85 years here, if you're lucky, that's just a, a whisper. It's just a smoke. But I know that I have an eternal life, uh, eternal life, eternity with uh, Father God, the Creator God, because I've accepted that free gift of salvation. I've accepted that. I've allowed the Holy Spirit to come into me and say, hey, make me a new man, create in me a new heart, a new spirit, sanctify me. So I'm adopted into the family, a family of God. That gives me joy, even though I'm living down here under much spiritual persecution, spiritual persecution, and now some health issues, but that's okay. The joy I have, the joy I have supersedes all that. It really does. And that's how I can have joy. I'm not happy. I'm not saying happy. I'm not happy clappy. Like, hey, lift the beat. You know, I'm not that. I'm joyous. I, I, I know that I don't belong here. At any time, the trumpet could sound and my Lord can come back and he can turn in his uh, re- redemption ticket for us and we're gone. Or at any time, my heart could just stop beating or a bus could hit me or whatever, and I can die. And if I were to die, then boom, my redemption ticket. I'm, I'm going to be somewhere where I'm going to be forever. And as soon as the resurrection happens, I will get my eternal body. I will be eternal uh, with, with God. That gives me great, great hope, great, great joy. So I don't get all nutted up over the news and I don't get nutted up over the stock market and I don't get nutted up over the finances and I just don't get crazy about that stuff. It just doesn't bother me. In fact, I just quit listening to it because I don't believe it's real. I believe it's made up and phony and it has its different purposes. Well, these people in the lobby, they're all freaked out. So um, anyway, the lady comes and I'm talking to her about her husband. I said, what, he don't feel well. She says, no, he's very grumpy. He can't stop watching the impeachment stuff. And so it gets him very upset. And so he's very um, um, grumpy and angry. Yeah, he's a Christian man, but he's fallen into this stuff. Uh, he's a Christian man. In fact, he's an elder of the church, but he's fallen into this, uh, this nonsense. Uh, and so instead of reading the word or praying to God or working on your your relationship, your walk, where you're, 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 you're like every day you got, you got to say, um, how by the, by the Holy spirit, by the strength of the Holy spirit, I can do all things through Christ. How do I get aligned under my savior? What is it that God will have me do today? The speech out of my mouth, the, the behavior that, that I do, the walk I take today, how is that, um, going to be God directed? And you get to that point, the rest of it, you seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else follows it. Um, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus and you look close, you look, you look just close into his wonderful face, the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light and glory of his grace. As an old hymn says. So we leave the lobby. I get called into the back. And uh, to go see the doctor. So I'm waiting and uh, one of the, the little uh, medical assistants comes in and she starts talking to me. She takes my 
my blood pressure. She's taking my high blood pressure. And so she tells me, she goes, everybody is stressed out. She goes, I've had three patients today that are so stressed out because of the impeachment hearings. <laughs> she just tells me this. Three patients. She's probably in her mid-20s. And I just laughed and I said, well, that's that's because they think it's real. They're watching reality TV and they think it's real. And they're getting all stressed out, you know. Um, so it, it, she was just amazed about how many people were just freaked out that day. This, you know, this was Thursday. Um, so anyway, yeah, we live in a very, very crazy world. The news I'm about to give you is very crazy. It can stress you out um, if you allow it. You could freak out and go, what kind of place do we live in? I'm scared. I'm going to lock and load, whatever. Um, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't protect yourself and be aware. You have to do that. And you have to be aware of your surroundings. But you can't get so frightened by what's going on around you that you lose sight of who you really are. And you're a sojourner here. You, we really don't belong here. The more you remove yourself from the world uh, and its pleasures, the more you remove yourself from it, the, the more ridiculous it seems, the more you can see you don't want any part of this. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So anyway, uh, that's, that's where we're at today. So anyway, we have um, some horrible, horrible events going on as usual. Um, this first one is, is from, uh, it's Pasco County Sheriff. Um, that's in Florida, Hudson, Florida. And it says there, a man, uh, this, this picture of this man, uh, quote unquote, probably looks like he's 21 or 22, very, very young alien head. And I don't mean that mean. I mean, he has an alien head. Looks He looks like a gray alien. Uh, it says, man intentionally ran over a 75-year-old veteran. The guy who ran him over said he was intentionally looking for someone to kill. He wanted to know how it felt. Uh, th this is horrible. Uh, this is probably like one of the worst horror stories you can hear where you're just walking down the street or driving down the street or at Walmart and you don't know that this person next to you actually has intention of killing someone because they, they're fascinated with the death. They want to know how it feels. So you happen to cross their path. It's amazing. So you, you have no idea. You have no idea um, what's going on. Years ago, I, I watched a horrible movie. Now, I wouldn't recommend it. I, I think it was called The Vanishing uh, or Vanished, something like that. Uh, Bridges, what's his name? Bo Bridges, Bo Bridges, good actor. Uh, but anyway, he, he was like a squared away, I think he was a professor or something, a college professor or something, he was squared away. But he wanted to see what it would feel like to do something truly, truly evil. He was just, so, he was a regular guy, but he just had this thought, what would it feel like to be really evil? Anyway, spoiler alert, he, um, He's at a truck stop and this couple is just passing by, you know, getting gas and go get some coffee or snacks and they're on their way somewhere and they're young. And anyway, he ends up luring this, this gal away from her uh, husband or boyfriend and he kidnaps her and he kidnaps her, kidnaps her. And anyway, it's a horrible movie. She, she wakes up and she's buried alive in a coffin with just a tube going up, 
um, I believe, to the air. I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, she's buried deep underground. No one's going to hear her scream or cry like that. And it's just <clears throat> he wanted to do something really evil. So the rest of the movie is about this guy trying to find her and um, dig her out. Of course, it's a race for time and a whole bit. But the feeling it gives you is just a horrible feeling that there's just this regular guy and he just decides he wants to do something evil, how it would feel to be very, very evil. And so he finds someone to be very, very evil on. And that was a movie. This is a real story. Uh, deputies in Pasco County, this is in Florida, arrested a man who admitted to intentionally running over a pedestrian. And this is what he said. I was looking for someone to run over so I could see what it's like to kill Wow. Oh, I'm right. He's 21 years old. I said, they call him a man. I looked at the picture. I said, he's about 21, 22. He's 21. His name is Justin Pinnell, J-U-S-T-Y-N, Justin Pinnell. He called 9-11 himself um, just before 3 p.m. A week ago Thursday, and he told dispatchers he had just intentionally hit a guy with a car and killed him. The uh, cops and the fire responded to the scene. They found the victim, an unidentified 75-year-old veteran on the side of the road, dead. They also found this uh, guy, says idiots. He was driving a 2004 red Chrysler PT Cruiser. They found that about a quarter mile away, which was inoperable. It ran into a, looked like it ran into a telephone pole or a electric pole or something. The car's passenger side had front-end damage to the bumper hood and windshield. That's where he hit the guy. So uh, Justin, the killer, he told deputies at the scene he had intentionally hit the victim with his car. He kept driving until the vehicle stopped working. And he didn't know the victim, and he was trying to understand why he did this. He didn't know why he did it. Trying to understand it. When he was interviewed by detectives, he said he saw the victim walking along the road with a walking stick. So he made a U-turn, accelerated, and purposely ran into the man. This is what he said, quote, he says, while he's driving at the victim, he could see the look of fright on the victim's face. Um, the sheriff said this man is absolutely evil. According to the arrest report, the killer was smiling and laughing when he struck the victim. Uh, the sheriff says there are some cases that make us realize there are pure evil in this world. Because of the pure evil that happened yesterday, there's a 75-year-old man who's a father, a grandfather, a Vietnam War veteran who was killed. Just because this dude wanted to see what it feels like. Justin admitted he had thoughts of killing someone for several months and planned how he was going to do it. He told detectives he left his home with his with in a, an intention of looking for someone walking or biking on the road. And his intention was to run over them so he could see what it felt like to kill them. Man. The only reason he called 911 was because his vehicle sustained so much injury or damage when he hit this guy that it became disabled. And he said, um, that's the only reason he called 911 because he couldn't run or disappear. So it was, it was like a country dirt road. So they probably would have never caught this guy. Never um, had he not called and turned himself in. Uh, I don't think there's any cameras or anything out there. 
Anyway, they arrested him for first-degree murder, uh, being held without bond. Pure, pure evil. Just a pure, pure evil story. Um, man, they hardly get worse than that. Uh, the second evil, the second evil all around you, second evil, is this a combination of evil and stupidity? They kind of go hand in hand. Uh, you, you drive in your car looking for someone to kill to see what it feels like. That's stupid. And it's evil. Uh, this guy is stupid and evil. This is in Texas. And he was charged in a death of a baby left in a backpack while he worked. Once again, you got to see the arrest photo of this guy. Um, and you could just see the, the face and realize there's not a lick of intelligence in that head. None. A Texas man accused of leaving a 10-month-old girl in a backpack in his car while he worked. He's now facing capital murder charge for her death. This guy's name was Trevor. Trevor Marquis Rowe, 27 years old. They arrested him a week ago Wednesday in the death of, of a 10-month-old baby who was left in the front of a car or the front seat of a car and was later moved to the trunk. The girl was inside the car for more than five hours. Uh, this guy lives with the baby's mother, but is not her father. Jeez. Checked on the infant throughout the day. When he found that the baby was not breathing, he called 911. And then he drove to an intersection and began CPR. Sounds like he was trying to hide it. Uh, he's being held on $2 million bond. He, uh, he called the police and he told the police that he crammed, that's quote unquote, crammed the baby into a backpack and went to work. And that at one point the baby had gotten out of the bag, but he put her back inside. He said that during the lunch break, the baby was crying. And after that, he put her in the trunk of the car and then he went back to work. Uh, and then about 4.50 p.m., when he went back to the trunk of his car where the baby was in a backpack, the baby was dead. Go figure. The baby's mother, I don't know if they ever got a hold of her, but the grandmother was saying that they were planning that baby's first birthday and they were going to go to Disney World. Wow, 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 wow. So you have a stupid mixed with evil. You just don't wake up one day and and you're that stupid. <laughs> you, you say, hey, you know, I'm I'm just a total moron. I'm gonna put I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a ten month old baby in a backpack in my car while I go to work. I mean, you just don't wake up one day. That's stupid. That started off when he was a little kid. Holy moly. Uh, here's something. This is just different. This is not really evil, I don't think. Um, but it's just something different that you should be aware of because it might affect you. It's, um, I didn't know this, but tongue fat is a thing. Yeah, you can have a fat tongue. So this is from UPI. It says, losing tongue fat could ease sleep apnea. Researchers say, however, that there is no sure way to lose weight from only the tongue. Overalls lose overall body weight. Well, at least they admit that. They say people with sleep apnea are often told to lose weight to ease their symptoms. Now, a new study 
comes out and suggests that shedding a fat in a particular trouble spot may be key. That's the tongue. You got a fat tongue. You're going to have to get that skinny. Uh, if you don't know the tongue harbors body fat, you're probably not alone. They said most people aren't thinking about tongue fat. And this is a, a senior researcher, Dr. Richard Schwab. He's chief of sleep medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. So he's not a dumb man. He's talking about tongue fat. When it comes to sleep apnea, however, the anatomy of the tongue may be critical. They call it obstructive sleep apnea or OSA. It's a disorder in which the muscles of the throat fail to keep the airways open during sleep. And so you, you do that and you wake up and you just all kinds of stuff. The re, that results in repeated interruptions in breathing along with symptoms such as loud snoring, daytime grogginess due to poor sleep, and a very, very irritated spouse. Very, very irritated spouse. OSA is common. It affects uh, 25 million Americans. And uh, obesity raises the risk. Okay. But not everybody who's obese develops OSA. In 2014, the Schwab guy did another study. He found that when you compare obese individuals with and without sleep apnea, those with a disorder typically have larger tongues with more fat tissue. So weight loss is known to help ease the condition, Schwab said, but the precise pathways are not completely clear. Uh, to see whether trimmer tongues might be done, I don't know. His team studied um, 67 patients who were obese, and then they went through a weight loss prog pro uh, program, either with surgery or lifestyle changes. In all, now 47 out of the 67 managed to shed some pounds, about 14% of their starting weight on average. The other 20 patients gained weight or remained stable. Not surprisingly, the patients who lost weight showed improvement in their sleep apnea. Now, before the study, they were having an average of 41 apnea events uh, every hour. Wow, that's a lot. After losing weight, they dropped a few or 19. But MRI images done before and after the weight loss revealed some finer details. There was a direct correlation between loss of tongue fat and patient's symptom improvement. A slimmer tongue explained about 30% of the benefits of patient's weight loss. Huh. Amazing. Amazing. So tongue fat's a thing. You're going to have to lose that tongue fat. So... You might think that maybe talking more or going blah, 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 blah might do it. Um, try it and then email me and let me know how it went. Just walk throughout your day, whether you're at work or it'd be, it'd be good at church or uh, maybe when you're walking around uh, Walmart or Trader Joe's and go and exercise that tongue. And then someone goes, what are you doing? You say, I'm trying to lose tongue fat, if you don't mind. And uh, just see where that goes. And let me know, uh, let me know what happened. All right. Uh, last week I talked about this earthquake in Puerto Rico. It was horrible, 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 horrible. Um, only one guy died, but lots of, lots of distraction. Okay. Um, did I say distraction? I mean destruction. Sorry. Another earthquake then hits Puerto Rico with a 5.9 magnitude. They were having all kinds of shaking and tremors and aftershocks, scaring the heck out of them. Horrible, horrible stuff. Um, the one that hit last week 
was the biggest in over a hundred years. So they keep having these aftershocks. Uh, this is and many people, even though they're not um, dead, they're out of um, they're out out of their homes uh, without electricity and um, you know water. I mean, this is horrible. Five point nine magnitude rattled Puerto Rico. That was Saturday. This last Saturday, a lot of anxiety and terror among the residents. It's about eight miles south of Indios in the Caribbean Sea. Um, but it was a, the, they first said it was a 6.0 Puerto Rico has been beset by tremblers throughout the week, including a 6.4 quake Tuesday that killed one man. That's the one I talked about last week. It destroyed homes, left most of the Island without power. A 5.2 magnitude aftershock struck on Friday. As of Saturday, about 59,000. Thousand customers remain without power. Uh, earthquake renewed fear and anxiety among residents in the southern towns of the island. As the ground shook on Saturday, people at Mercedita International Airport quickly ran outside. And a few miles away, parts of the roof and facade of a historic building collapsed. So they're really shaken over there badly. Um, mm, very bad. So they're without power. A lot of them are without homes. Uh, estimated $110 million in damages so far. The governor uh, over there is Wanda Vasquez Garced. Huh. She signed a major disaster declaration trying to get a hold of uh, Trump. But he's, uh, he's too busy being on TV. Apparently, I don't know. Maybe uh, Pelosi and the other... Our other leaders in the government can help these people with some uh, something. There was a church, a Catholic church, um, that had a lot, a lot of uh, damage and destruction. I mean, I'm talking like half the wall came down. Uh, There's people camping on sidewalks, stadiums, highways, Thousands of families fled their homes fearing the structures may collapse. They're sleeping in mattresses, tents, tarps, set up in stadiums, fields next to the highways, a baseball stadium, as well as public parks and schools have become massive shelters. Scores of people are sleeping in cots under large white tents. Dozens of portable bathrooms have been set up. More than 6,000 people are staying in shelters. Okay, these, you know, these people need prayer, folks. They need prayer and support. Um, my goodness. Yeah, there's something, uh, something really going on over there. Okay, we're going to do one last story. But before we do, let's, uh, let's take a short break. And then I'll be right back. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, 
Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. All right, here we go. Uh, one last story here. You know, the police can use ruses. It's not against the law for a cop to lie to you. Um, let's say a cop's on patrol and you have your car parked outside and he notices that you have expired tags and, um, and he runs your plate and he notices that you have a felony arrest uh, warrant out for you for, I don't know, failing to pay child support. That cop can knock on your door and go, excuse me, sir. Um, but your car has just been broken into and um, your stuff's all over the place and, and we want to notify you that. Could you come out with us and identify your property? So you get your little coat on and you're like, oh, who broke into my car and stole my, my Walkman? Because you still have a Walkman. And so you go out there and then you find your car had not been broken into and they go, are you... Um, you know, Danny Gonzalez. Yeah, I am Danny Gonzalez. You got an idea? Yeah, boom, boom. Well, Danny, I got bad news for you. Uh, there's a felony uh, warrant for your arrest. Click, click, and you're off to jail. They can lie. Uh, it's not against uh, the the law for a cop to lie. A lot of um, a lot of prostitutes, street prostitutes, thinks think they think that a cop can't lie. So what they will do is when there's an undercover cop posing as a John and they pick up a prostitute and uh, the prostitute will say, are you a cop? And then the cop will say no. And you go, okay. And then they'll discuss business and then she'll get arrested for soliciting prostitution. But you told me you weren't a cop. Yeah, I know. So you can lie um, about that. So they can lie. So this is a case of, of a cop lying uh, to a person uh, to as a ruse, but the person was so distraught uh, over the lie that he committed suicide. So it's just kind of a it's a sad story, interesting story. Um, obviously, there's there's more to it, especially on the victim side, why he uh, was so distraught. But. Seattle man kills himself after officer falsely says he critically injured a woman in a crash. A Seattle, a Seattle officer was suspended after a police watchdog found that a lie the officer told a hit and run suspect contributed to the man's suicide. The unidentified man got into a minor, a minor fender bender back in May. He fled the scene. So who knows? Why he did that? Probably he probably had a couple of beers at him or something, and he he split. Two officers with the Seattle Police Department investigating the crash were sent to an address that was connected with this guy to get a statement. Um, the report states that both officers knew that the hit and run was a minor minor crash, and no one was injured. So they're just investigating. Uh, 
a minor hit and run. No injuries. If there was an injury, it'd be a felony hit and run. But because there's no injury, it's just a it's a it's a misdemeanor hit and run. But when they arrived at the home, one of the officers told a woman who was answer, who answered the door that they were looking for the driver because he was involved in a hit and run that left a woman in critical condition. And that's a ruse. That's a lie. Uh, she was not in critical condition. There was no one hurt. There was a fender bender. The officer said the injured woman might not survive, that she was in critical condition, could die. So the ruse is to get these people upset. So the, the woman runs in the back and goes, Michael, Michael, the cops are here. You almost killed somebody. She could die. And now it gets serious. And he, I'm him. Yeah, I did it. And the reason why I left is because I had a couple of beers and I'm stupid, blah, blah, blah. And they go, okay, so that was you. Yeah, okay. The good news is she's not critically injured. She's not going to die. The bad news is uh, here's your ticket. Because that's all it is. It's a ticket for misdemeanor hit and run. Now you can go out before the judge and say you're stupid. But they can't get you for drunk driving because there's no evidence anymore. It's out of your system. No big deal. Right? Lesson learned. Um, body, camera, body camera footage from the cops showed that the woman at the home who was a friend of the driver's was visibly upset. Oh, you can imagine. And especially if you're decent people and you're like, what, what, what happened? After the officers left, the woman called her friend and told him what the officers said. And then she advised him to get an attorney. He probably should have took that advice. Because if she, he probably should have took that advice because the attorney would have called and said, what the heck's going on? And then they wouldn't, they couldn't ruse the attorney. They couldn't lie to the attorney. They'd have to tell the attorney, yeah, we're just trying to get him out. Blah, blah, blah. He would have got his ticket. He would have got a ticket. Um, friends of the driver told investigators uh, with the police accountability board who was investigating this that in the days following the police visit the man grew increasingly upset and worried so we don't know why I don't know if he had mental problems was he on you know psychotropic drugs um, you know for me at least it'd be like well that's not the way to handle it they told me I hit somebody that could die. I better call an attorney. I better get this taken care of. Um, but I guess he, he continued to, to hide out and, and get um, anxious about it, worried and upset. One friend said that the man told him that the fender bender happened when his car rolled backwards, striking the other vehicle. The man said that he had left the scene but did not remember anyone being injured at the crash. And that's something you want to tell your attorney uh, the report states the driver had been a drug addict for 20 years. There you go. And had prior legal trouble. So there you go. Here's a guy who's been in and out of the system. He's had drug uh, issues. He's, he's more than likely had dealings with the police. He more than likely didn't trust the police. Um, and so he's, he's at a different place uh, in his head. And so the only thing he knows is run, 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 run. Um, and so, so you get a glimpse of why maybe he was thinking this, um, because he was, you know, probably under the influence when he had the crash and now he's probably seen his whole life, um, you know, behind bars, you know, um, because he, he hurt somebody so bad there they could possibly die. So he probably sees himself, uh, doing, you know, 60 years in prison. 
The friend told investigators that the man said he was he was not high at the time of the crash. Oh, whatever. Um, the man's roommate told investigators that the day before his death, he became increasingly worried and started talking about suicide. And the roommate found him dead on June 3rd. Um, it was last year, less than a week after the crash. So then his family... And friends began looking into the crash and learned that no one had been injured or died. So they filed a complaint with the Office of Police Accountability and they started investigating it. It's a watchdog group. They completed the investigation. The officer said the ruse was needed to get information and he did not think he was responsible for the man's suicide. The officer's partner told investigators that the officer said he knew the ruse was a lie. But, oh, this ain't good, quote unquote, but it's fun. So on the other side, as a police officer, I would advise um, if I were your sergeant or your, your, your administrator, I would advise you not to say things like, but it's fun because that gets on police reports, that gets in courtrooms, and that's what gets you in trouble, Okay. It's the perception of what you did that's going to get these guys in trouble. Legally, they, they're within the parameters of the law, but stuff like this, we knew it was a ruse, but it's fun. It's not good when somebody commits suicide over what you say is fun. Uh, while officers are allowed to use a ruse, investigators said the officer's lie shocked the conscience and was inconsistent with the police department's policy. So now you, you know where the Seattle Police Department is going with it. They are not going to back up these cops. They're not going to back them up. Probably because of stupid things like, but it's fun. Young cops, especially young cops, they don't know how to control their tongue. I guess they're trying to get rid of that tongue fat, but they say things that will get them in trouble. Um. The uh, police chief there in Seattle said um, that she agrees with the watchdog's findings and she suspended that officer for six days without pay. Um, she said th that his actions did not meet their standards of acceptable use of discretion and were uh, not consistent with the standards of professionalism or training. In uh, 2019, that department provided in-service training to all sergeants, officers, and detectives on the appropriate use of ruses during criminal investigations. That's because of this case. Um, I would imagine he's going to end up fired. Yeah. When you got the chief of police saying stuff like this, I don't think he's just going to get six days without pay and come back. I don't think the union's going to be able to handle him, handle this. It depends how much the family uh, and how big of a deal this uh, becomes, but it'd probably be better uh, in, in their situation. The city's going to look at it like, we'll just fire him and let him, let him sue to get his job back type of thing. Anyway, shame. It shouldn't have happened like that, but it, it did. And I'm sure it does. So that's it for the stories. Um, Listening for a Monday show. We could continue on uh, speech and language and the right speech, but we're going to be in uh, the Gospel of John. We're going to be uh, where Jesus is 
is, is talking about himself and who he is, but uh, the religious people just don't want to believe it because they're serpent seed. Um, they're like their father, the, the devil, who's the father of all lies. And he hates truth. So we're going to talk about that and the hater of truth and how that affects you. All right, so good night. Um, and we'll talk to you later. There's one more thing I need to say before